All right, Johnny. All right, Tyler. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Then you might like Simple Minds, New Gold Dream, 81, 82, 83, 84. So as the strains of Promise You a Miracle die away, we're back. It's another episode of Tummel, the Review 2 show where we review albums that are not by U2. So Tyler, give us some U2 news, some updates, some shout-outs. Let's get all that done before we turn our minds to, well, the Simple Minds. Oh, top of the bill then. Simple Minds. Top of the bill then. So U2 are just about to embark on the Australasian leg of the tour and the Asian leg of the tour uh, for the Joshua Tree 2019. Mm, It's still going. Well, it's about to restart. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm excited because those those countries, some of some of which yes. they're playing for the very first time. I'm very excited for them. That's great, but everyone knows my reservations about the Joshua Tree tour and it getting in the way of like new material. Then again, I did enjoy it, so yeah, whatever. I'm just being grouchy, but go on. I think we're heading for an interesting time, and there's a lot of call for the band to play songs from Rattlin' Hum, which they didn't do on the 2017 version of the Joshua Tree Tour. Might be very good, might be very bad. I'm hoping for Heartland. Yes. Uh, how many of those shows are you going to be going to, Johnny? Zero. Really? And you know that you know it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a shame, because I'll actually be going to the Soul show. Oh, wow. On December the... 8th, I believe. Yeah. No, it's a Sunday night. So excited that you don't know when you're going. Uh, I'll be there, and I'm hoping that there's a lot of... Uh, I want this t-shirt to be sold. The goal is soul. It's all there for them. They've already <laughs> got that catchphrase. It's written on Bono's guitar. Mm. You know, let's... I, I, I'm excited for that. But I, I'm really excited about going to Seoul. And if we have any listeners in, in Seoul or, or South Korea, mm. um, then please get in touch, and you can show me around. Um, because... I think I am going to be lost a little bit in that big city. I'm pretty sure we do. we have quite a diverse listenership. I'm pretty sure there will be at least a couple of Review 2 fans over there. So that's that's quite nice. And yeah. obviously, if you want to meet up with Tyler, then get in contact with him on Twitter. And, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll hang out with you in Seoul because he doesn't know anyone there. I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, I'll, I'll know the band and Noel Gallagher. Not yeah. personally. I was going to say, they won't know you. <laughs> no, they won't. Um Probably got a restraining order on me at this point, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, we have been away quite a, quite a while. Uh, we did promise this review. But uh, in the meantime, there are, there is a new U2 fan podcast out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, It's called The Garden Tarts. You can listen to them on Spotify and I assume iTunes and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing not exactly the same as what we did. It's uh, um, a group of... Uh, a group of girls who have been fans for a long time, and they're sharing their experience. And for me, it's very interesting to hear somebody a woman's perspective on it. Uh, um, not not just not just that, but um, another group of friends like me and we've got each other, and we've got mm-hmm. our shared history with the band. Yeah, but um, someone from America, you know, and and their relationship with with you two. Uh, I think often I feel like America stole you two. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, you two made it easy for them to do that. But I think they're just that kind of band where it's you feel like you've got this connection with them. Yeah, and I think that the thing is, any U two fan, like a relatively big U two fan who's got mates, will sit around and have a chat about about yeah. this sort of thing, and they have the same kinds of chats. So it's interesting to hear other people having the same sorts of chats. It's not like there's 
only one conversation to be had. This, I mean, we've had the same conversations over and over and over again. So it's great. The more people doing it, the more the merrier. So yeah, best yeah, of luck to them. Best it, of luck it, to the Garden Tarts. It's uh, unique. And I love the name as well. It took me a while to get it. It is very clever. Yeah. Is it as clever as Review 2? Yes, it probably is. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> probably better. It's not a pun. The amount of people that I say... I've yeah. got a show called Review 2. So it's Review U2. No, Review 2. <laughs> the syllable sounds exactly the same. I have the same annoying thing all the time. I didn't think it was that difficult to grasp. Anyway, right, this is already going on too long. Oh. Yeah, okay, I also want to give a shout out to the band December. They're just about to release what they claim is the final U2 cover. Mm. Uh, a few years ago they did an album called 33 which was uh, full to the brim of U2 covers. Mm. All excellently produced and really nice renditions of those songs yeah. and as i've said a hundred times like well chosen songs which show that they're fans not just a band saying well we need to cover all the hits you know so yeah. there are hits but there's also things that show you that they're really deep deep fans and when you listen to them you can feel the same passion yeah that you have for those songs that they show that and i think it's i think it's great we met uh december in glasgow a couple mm-hmm. of months ago and they're the fantastic guys um so uh please check out the new december song i, I don't it's know if it's gonna be it, the refugee yeah i think it's released on the the 6th of november and i don't know if this episode will be out by that point mm, um maybe not but if it's past the 6th of november please check out uh, the new December and, song. And if it is, then you can look at... They did a sort of sneak peek of them playing it live, which I saw this morning. So um, you can look at that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all the, the news. I believe you wanted to give a shout-out to Neil as well. Oh, yeah, Neil from uh, You Two Then and Now. Uh, Very briefly, some of what he does. Uh, okay, so on Twitter, Neil posts uh, press clippings, uh, reviews from... A lot from the 80s, right up up until now. Mm. Um, a lot of fans on his page sharing their experiences of being at certain gigs that he, he posts. Mm. Uh, and I met him at, uh, in Liverpool last month. He also month. does a lot of like side-by-side photo comparisons, doesn't he? You two back in the day, or the areas of Dublin particularly, yeah, yeah. and now, which is where the whole you two then and now thing comes from, which is fascinating to see, you know. Especially yeah. if you've been, in, been to Dublin. Yeah, um... Uh, but a, a great guy and uh, works very hard to keep that that Twitter page updated on the regular. Mm. Um, so yeah, just uh, let's all connect up. This the YouTube community can't get much bigger, but uh, mm. everybody's welcome, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say so. And finally, on Saturday, the fourteenth of December this year, two thousand nineteen, myself and Johnny will be going over to Stockport, which is very local for us. Uh, to watch the U2 tribute band U2 Baby. They're playing at the Woodley Arms in Stockport. Uh, the gig is free entry before 9pm and £5 thereafter. That's really good. I didn't know it was free entry. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, U2 Baby, if you've not seen them, are an absolutely fantastic tribute mm. band. I saw them last month in Liverpool and it was uh, just a really, really nice gig. Really great to come and meet a lot of the YouTube community, a lot of the you know the Twitter people and uh, whoever's around. So yeah, b- uh, strangely enough, me and Johnny will actually be in the same place at the same time. Wow, can you believe it? Um, so yeah, we hope to see you there. Um, guaranteed to have a good night in Stockport with YouTube, baby. Um, so yeah, it has been a while since we were we were last here, and in the summer when we started the first season of Tummel, we we're asking for your suggestions now this is solidly the first album that we're reviewing because you asked us to yeah 
I had very little awareness of Simple Minds. It's, it's sort of weird as well. When when we do these episodes, bands like In Excess and Simple Minds, now I'm sort of embarrassed that I don't I didn't know that much yeah. about them, to be honest, because they are so they run so parallel to you two, but in this sort of Australian or Scottish context. Massively influential as well. Yeah, not like again, embarrassingly influential. And we're gonna do quite soon. We're gonna do a like side by side comparison because I think there's a song that is very very similar where you two have not not stolen, but they've translated something so closely from Simple Minds. Yeah, but we'll get to that when we get. To I, it. I mean, I wouldn't swap it for anything. We, as I said, as I've said many times before, we have spent such an embarrassingly huge amount of time mm. listening to you two that it's only natural that we're gonna miss out on other artists that yeah. seem really obvious and seem in, in somewhat in the same genre or at least the same area yeah. of music. But I also think we can be forgiven with Simple Minds and I'm going to put my customary disclaimer, we don't know that much about U2 and we certainly <laughs> don't know anything about Simple Minds. So, you know, that's the disclaimer there. Um, I think with Simple Minds, I knew a couple of the big hits like Waterfront and Don't You Forget About Me, right? Very, very unrepresentative of the band's early career. They were catapulted to commercial success pretty much closely following this album. And they're almost a different band, really. That's not a bad thing. Just like how U2 Vertigo Tour is so different from the Unforgettable Fire Tour and Zeropa and whatever, you know. Um, but I didn't know how closely they were linked to U2 in terms of their early sound. And this means now I've got a nice new band to follow and, and really check out their early stuff. Something that put me off about this album... In a, in a big way, was the cover. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it's it? It's so bad. There's a bit, there's an interview I was reading with Jim Kerr, and he was saying about how this was the album where everything came together. And he's like, the music, I'm like, yeah, the not. lyrics, yeah. The artwork, is like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> not the artwork, Jim. <laughs> it looks like a Christian rock album cover, which just does not give the vibe of this album whatsoever. I think whatsoever. you can certainly have that reading of the, of the album. And that's fine. Maybe. Um, but yeah. But to me, it's much more dark and interesting than just like a kind of Praise Jesus kind of album. It's that ugly, like, it's, it's blurry awful, cover in, in the background that I don't like. I mean, I don't, oh, the, we've just lost, we just lost all the Simple Minds fans who've tuned in and have never heard this before. Sorry. Yeah, well, um, so, sorry about that, but I, I don't like the cover at all. No, and I, if you guys do, then, you know, you can always tell Having us. Having said that, I did recently look for it in a record shop. Hmm. And could see it, like so. It is visible. It, yeah, it looks different because there's not nothing's that same yellowy brown color. Mm. Um, so maybe it works. It stands out in a record shop. Well, there you go. We're gonna do our top ten in a bit, but just to, for some information. So let's just do the the info. New Gold Dream brackets 81, 82, 83, 84 is the fifth album by the Scottish band Simple Minds. Uh, it was released in September 1982 uh, on Virgin and was a turning point, you can tell I'm quoting from Wikipedia, was a turning point for the band, which, as I said, gave them that kind of critical and, more importantly, sort of commercial push forward and made them the kind of the dominant, well, one of the dominant bands for the 80s. So this is not an album that was unknown or unloved at the time. Uh, famously, Paul Morley, who is a fantastic music critic, said, um, My loyalty towards Simple Minds is known to be considerable, yet even I am jarred by the constant beauty of this music. New Gold Dream robs me of my breath, which is, I think is a really nice way to um, sum up how, I don't know, how, how big and cinematic and amazing this album is. I mean, I'm putting my cards on the table. I really enjoyed doing this review. It was it was fantastic. And we're on a we're on a big scale here, I would say. Some Yeah, some of the, uh, the artists that I hear this album 
compared to the likes of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that, this epic feel throughout it, which we'll, we'll get to. Mm. Um, having only had a couple of months to get to know this album, I, don't, I, I still feel like I'm still yeah. finding my way with a few tracks, and I'll, I'll mention those as they come along. Yeah. I wish I'd had more time to get to know this album to do it justice. I'm sure this review won't do it justice. It's just going to be... I think this is going to be a very different album for us in two years' time, say. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but sometimes you need to live live with these, but um, I'm happy to talk about how I feel about this album now. Mm. I feel there's a lot of positive things to take away from, from this album already. Certainly. Um, All right, so... Is we... it time for the, the top, top ten? ten? Hit the music. So, in at number 10, There It Is by Shalimar. In at number 9, down from 3 this week, it's Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners with Emerald Express. Number 8, The Message, Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five. Down 1 this week at number 7, it's High Fidelity featuring Valerie Landsberg, the kids from fame featuring Valerie Landsberg. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? In at number 6, All My Heart by ABC. In at number 5, the bitterest pill I ever had to swallow by The Jam. Number four, Walking on Sunshine, Rocker's Revenge featuring Donny Calvin. Top three now, Save a Prayer by Duran Duran. In at number two, Private Investigations by Diet Straits. Diet Straits? <laughs> uh, keeping that one in. Come on, he's number one after Diet Straits. <laughs> and number one, staying at number one for another week, seven weeks running. Ooh. Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Wow. So this was the musical landscape into which Simple Minds was going to come in. And I would say to brighten things up a hell of a lot going off that, that list. I'm not saying everything on those bad, but it's a bit stale. A lot of those have become kind of, I don't know, cliche 80s songs really, haven't they? But considering the top tens we've done, that's one of the best ones. Well, at least at least I knew some of the songs. Yeah. So, um, so there we go. That's the chart as Simple Minds release this song. Um... Do you want to run through the band members before we go track by track? Um, yeah, and apologies if I'm not saying anything, if I'm not pronouncing things correctly. So Jim Curley, vocals, Charlie Birchill, guitar, uh, Michael McNeil, keyboards, Derek Forbes, bass guitar, going to have a lot to say about him, um, Mel Gaynor, drums, Mike Ogilvie, drums, and Kenny Hislop, drums. Apparently there was quite a lot of moving around. The drum chair was spinning, as it were, um, when the when they were recording this because certain members members leaving or they weren't up to the job apparently and i think mel Gaynor was the person who well they do the majority of the tracks here and there are some very very tight drums on this on this yeah i I mean i i noticed the drum and bass being particularly the rhythm section here is off the chart yeah off off the chart not off the chat we're on the chat now we've done the chart yeah should we uh should we start off then yeah Track number one, Someone Somewhere in Summertime, 4 minutes 38 seconds. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, I think this was the second single. You think? No, oh, I know it was. Um, it, it's This is a song that, when I was first listening to it, it didn't hit home at mm. all. Um, I did. I, I can see someone would have it as a slow burner rather than like "Promise You a Miracle," which is a punch in the face straight away, but a really nice punch in the face. I would say, like over a, a, a few weeks, it, it stayed in my mind and kind of festered. You know, where, where melodies would would. I think Jim Kerr would be happy with festered being used. Uh, it, 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 I'm using that. Flourished in, and blossomed. I, I mean, yeah. Okay. I'm. Yeah. All right. Wrong word there. I suppose. Um, 
I it really stuck with me, mm-hmm. and and I and I just felt like there was a. I was I was I had a very two D impression of this song, and there was uh, there was something missing that that was stopping me getting to that next that next step. Mm. Uh, so I I went looking for a live version. Mm, I did that as well, actually. Um, and it was on my walk home from work, and it absolutely blew me away. It yeah. was like I get this song now. It's I don't I don't feel it's a criticism to say this song isn't meant to be performed in the studio. It's meant to be performed live. I think it finds its best expression live, definitely. Although I will say, the production is beautiful on this album. I mean, I yeah. think the the producer, the producer who was I know it's someone Walsh. Let's have a look. It might be Peter Walsh. Who the producer? Peter Walsh. Yeah. Yes, got it right. Um, trusting myself more. So anyway. He was relatively young um, when he did this, but I think he's done a fantastic job with this. And the the keyboards and how everything builds up is beautiful on this song. It's a, I mean, I, I, I thought that this would have been the lead single. That's how highly I, I began to think of this mm. track. Um, and then I was surprised to find find out it wasn't. But it was eventually a single. Yeah. But um, no, really, really... Oh, was it? I think it was the third single, actually. Not the second, sorry. Uh, the third single. Um, the lyric that I've highlighted in this is slow burning golden nights, Roman candles to the to, to the flame. Mm. Um, and that's kind of, in a way, what happened, in an abstract way, what happened with me in this song. It it was a slow burn. Mm. And like, like a can, you know, like a candle slowly getting the, and lighting up the room. Yeah. Um, and I found that to be an interesting image because it's basically the journey I'd had with this song. Yeah, there's a lot of lyrics that are like that on the album overall, I would say. It's very difficult to talk about this album in terms of individual narratives. It's more like big colours that are crashing and colliding, you know, big, to, to yeah, quote Yeah, abstract colours. Exactly. It's subtle uh, and it's melodic. Yes. And I think... You can find yourself going down a rabbit hole, going, "Oh, what does this song mean?" A mm. song doesn't have to mean anything, or at least it doesn't have to mean one thing. Uh, no, absolutely not. And and there's there's a f- there's very few songs are actually know what What's this going on. yeah what what this going on. But uh, there's someone somewhere in summertime kind of thing. It's like this idea that there's someone hmm. out there. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> The time of year is summertime. Yeah, at least that specific. Um, but is that that ambiguity is very nice all the way through the album. It is somewhere. It's yeah. not asking you to place it in a particular, a particular sort of place. Uh, when I was um, when I was listening to this the first time, it was it did happen to be when I was walking through the park, really drenched in sunshine, and it was it fit perfectly, you yeah. know, for this. Um, it was very very positively received this song. Um, so a couple of quotes which I think somewhat. Can I just complete my point? Oh, go on then. So I've always been um, kind of obsessed with the idea of like if you're in a relationship or even if you're not in a relationship, mm-hmm. chances are you're going to be in one eventually. Yeah. Or it, and that person is out there and you might not know them yet. This person that's going to become so important. It's not like an ad for a dating site. <laughs> well, well, I really am rubbish one. I'm available for voiceovers. Um, but I, I've always been obsessed with that idea that you know two people can live so separately and then they come together yeah. and that person's still out there. That person exists now. Yeah. But you don't. You might not know them, and that that always baffles me a little bit. But it could be anyone. It's just sort of random, isn't it? Really, like tiny little choices 
govern that. There's not one person. I know, for but I, I just love that idea that there's these two people that are you know on a kind of collision mm. course and and one well, day boom, write, write a rom com film like a screenplay <laughs> and call it someone someone somewhere in summertime and ask Nick uh, Nick Kerr ask Jim Kerr and the band for the rights to it and you know it could work really well. Okay. Right, back to my point. So, um, unimpeachable highlight, starting above the ground, 100 foot, and never coming down. That's uh, that's what Simon Price said about it. And I really like this one uh, from Dave Simpson in The Guardian. A waltz through a, myth- a mythical August haze, um, and the whole album itself is a shimmering masterpiece. And I kept being reminded of colours, but also lights all the way through this. So, to go back to your Roman Candle point, there's a lot of fireworks on this album. There's a lot of big colours and shimmering lights and you know it's 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 very difficult to describe it in any ways that aren't really kind of visual and painterly really um which is which is great which is a fantastic quality to this album and it's a carnival is something i've like yeah a lot of flashing colours fast moving Mm. lights well on that note roman candle lightning lights up the sky right Mm. it's very obvious when we get to this yeah well it's very obvious how influential how influential, and you two have not made any you know, secret of this, just how this changed the direction of, of them after war. So just in case you're a Simple Minds fan who somehow is listening to this and has not listened to the rest of our output, um, you two took a massive amount of influence from this album and it changed them from going in that kind of straightforward rock, like the Who kind of way of producing things, to a much more abstract and evocative way of playing. Now, there are... I, I looked online to see if anyone had made this comparison or not. It might be that that I'm just hearing things here, but I think one of the songs that was not included on The Unforgettable Fire but was recorded around about the same time, Disappearing Act, is very, very similar in the verses to this song. I'm not saying that they ripped it off, okay? I didn't know about this song. Is this on a... Uh, on a it's, on, it's on the... Um, the B-sides of yeah, Unforgettable is, Fire. Yeah. So you've got the vinyl, but <laughs> I wonder why I've not discovered it. that. Right. I don't. I don't have a. a re, um, I have the CD re-release of Unforgettable Fire, but I don't have anything else. Okay. Well, I'm just going to play very short sound clips. So lawyers, you can't. You can't get us for this. Everyone's favourite section: the copyright infringement. Yeah, where I fiddle with my laptop. Right. So let's have a listen to this little bit um, from Simple Minds. Right, now listen to Disappearing Act. Right, this bit here specifically. You see what I mean? Now, obviously both songs change a lot after that point. But that sounds really similar to me. And every time I hear this song, I think of Disappearing Act, which I, re- I really like as a song anyway. Thoughts, Tyler? Or am I just going crazy? I think you might have something. Um, What's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. Oh, people at home will be like, oh, he's right. Johnny's right. They do sound very similar. Well, I always feel like people agree with you more than me anyway. Well, there you go. Not that I'm bitter about it. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Um, right, brilliant. I've got more editing to do now. Okay, so um, yeah, it's difficult as well. I'd say on this whole album to pick out individual lyrics a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, now, like we try to find the heart of an album or a, a, a song, song sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
so yeah, we've got something like somewhere there is some place that William that one million eyes can't see, and somewhere there is someone who can see what I see. So I think there's a kind of yearning for connection here that Kerr is reaching for a feeling and saying somewhere there will be someone who actually connects with that idea. There is someone who can see what I see, even though millions of other people can't see this, can't get a hold of this feeling. And if he's making the song to do that kind of connection, then then great, that works really, really well. And I think it's it's a very, very powerful song, despite the fact that it's not particularly specific in a lot of ways. Now, my one problem with this album that I've had is I have to look at the lyrics while I'm listening to it, otherwise I just cannot discern them. And I don't know if other people have this, but I, I literally, I sound like an old man here, I can't hear what Jim Kerr's singing. I like the way he sounds, but unless it's a big chorus, like Promise You a Miracle, I, I cannot hear what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, it's, it, the vocals, I'm not happy. I, I, I don't know how they've done that either, because they, yeah. they sound good, but I also can't hear them. I don't know if it's a stylistic choice. You know, like when we listen to Mew, um, yeah. and Jonas's voice is... Uh, it's almost used like as an instrument, not as a yep. as a, a vocal um, instrument, I suppose, to deliver lyrics and meaning and story. And information. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I think it. I think it. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's more more of a, a soundscape. Yeah. Um, but there are lyrics there if you want to go and find them. I just don't get it though because they because they and they don't always sound like this either. It's well, it's not always recorded like that. No. Um, so that is frustrating and you might not not know what we're talking about um, and maybe if I listen to the album more which I will do obviously little things will, will kind of become more clear but unless it's a chorus or unless it's something that I know is being said in the song because of the title you have to look up the lyrics now yeah. I don't have much of a problem with that that's 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 fine with me there are worse offenders on this album than somewhere, someone somewhere in summertime oh yeah yeah but I also like the way he's using his voice as an instrument on this, you know, working with delay, which is fantastic, you know, yeah. to achieve that. What I found interesting about this is is there's a lot of times where on this album it's fading out and you can hear him still going. He's going like, kind of thing. like, And he's just adding little lyrical, well, not lyrical, just verbal flourishes. It's kind of funny. If you listen to them in, in isolation, they're, they're amusing. Yeah. And, and often it does sound like he's, the band are in the studio and he's down the hall singing. <laughs> it's really weird, but I got that. I, mm. I, I I agree with you. And for someone like me who goes to a song because I want to find something to sing along to, yeah, and join in with and be part of, then it didn't. It that's where this album as a whole falls down for me, in a huge yes. way. Mm. Well, sorry, Simple Minds and Simple Minds fans, but there we go. Um, Overall, though, it's a fantastic song. Yeah, instrumentally, I think it's a collage. Um, um, and no part is really overplayed. No, uh, everything's very subtle, very contained. Um, it's a great album opener as well. Yeah, the vocals could be turned up as we as we've just said. There's little trumpety sounds, and I don't know if they are actually trumpets or if it's synth. I imagine it would be synthesizer. Uh, but they sound very real. Yeah, you know they sound sound very good. Um, all held together by the the drum and bass groove. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a very, very groovy album overall, and I don't usually use that adjective very often, because uh, it's quite outdated, but there's no other word for it, really, is there? Um, speaking of groovy, should we move on to Colours Fly and Catherine Wheel? Yes. Which is 3 minutes 49. I don't know why I'm saying the, the time length. I, I never am that interested in the time 
Anyway, um, this is what I would describe as an eternal baseline. So there's a bit on uh, one of the one of the documentaries um, of Vertigo where Edge is talking about the Vertigo riff and you know the whole tour and he's saying that do 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 it's he said i think he uses that phrase eternal riff or something similar to that where it's something that just goes round and round and round and it doesn't really have an end it just keeps you know kind of going on and on this is such a good baseline for this song because it's one of the best basslines i've heard in the past 10 years i would say overall um it just keeps turning around on itself, like never fully resolving, just going round and round like a Catherine. It's kind of like the Hives. Um, one of the what the, the big hit. Hey, say I told you so. So, is that the one where it's, that's got a yeah? So I saw an interview with the Hives where they were saying if you play that you know that riff three or four times, people begin to get sick of it. If you play it eighteen times, yeah, people love it. Comes back round again, like a family yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, oh, that, that that's we've had that. You know, mm. what else have you got? But yeah. then it come, you come back to it, and yeah. it's like, oh, that, and that drives the whole song. Then, yeah. So I think there's a similar thing, a thing there. I have no idea where I've got that from either. I've seen that. Unless it's come to me in a dream. The hives are suddenly coming to me in a mm. dream. And while I don't think we'll cover the hives on Tummel, because I don't think the relation to you two is is clear enough um they are one of the best live bands i've ever seen they're fantastic live yeah i know you're a big fan oh good um so yeah wh- what do you think about this song then because it, that bass line i can't get over how good yeah you can't mention this song without talking about that bass line no. um i'm not crazy about the vocals in this it's not it's not the way they're recorded either i oh, just, really i feel like the kind of they're just the i don't think hmm. they're essential I think they're quite nice and hazy, really. I think it's a nice counterpoint to the music because the the drums and the bass are so tight in this song that absolutely the rhythm section is so on point. And I, I like the fact that they seemed a bit Kerr's undercooked for me. Well, the the vocals, yeah, the, the lyrics, vocals. It's like they're an afterthought because they have like they've got a really solid song here without lyrics. I mean, this could be yeah. an instrumental track, and but again, like this is where we get these. Lyrics like "Colors fly in Catherine wheels," "Poor girls cry in the beauty of both worlds," and the very there's no again there's no real even though there's him saying "and I said Bell" and it seems like he's talking to a girl called Bell all the way through. There's not really a, a story here. There's not even like you know the story that's told in um, you know jo- Julie says John I'm getting nowhere that kind of thing. It's even less specific than that, and you can create your own narrative out of this which i think for most simple minds fans that would be great they all have a different interpretation of what he's on about here what i really like is in this uh, the the synthy flourishes didn't yeah because they change they don't yeah they don't reoccur sometimes you'll get you know just a little bit and then that goes away forever and yeah. something else comes in which is which is why i think i mean this song is a great baseline yeah that's the be all and end all of the song really so anything else is is just added hmm I think this could have been an instrumental track, eh. but but they already have one on the album, so maybe they thought they couldn't do that. I th- I think they're probably quite confident in it because I mean that's quite quite catchy when he's saying catchy, but you know like that kind of thing. I think that, yeah, that's I mean this is an catchy. obvious um, influence on you too. Well, colors fly. Yeah, but like I, I, think, I, think, I think tonally for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. What, I know what you're trying to do with the disappearing act, but I, I got it with this. It does. U 2s uh, unforgettable fire sounds like this song. Yes. Um, although I would say 
um, to not to besmirch you too. The hmm. if this is what Adam's going for, that's great. And if it influences his base, that's good. He's not as good a bassist as um, Derek Forbes on on this album. And I mean that in terms of proficiency. Adam's a great creative in terms of bass lines. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just talking about proficiency. Well, Adam honestly, could play this now. Yeah, he probably could, but he but he, he wouldn't do it as well. Maybe at the time, no. But I think Adam Adam progressed, as we all should. Um, well, I can't let you say anything bad about Adam. I just it look, goes Adam, Adam goes against my fan- DNA. Adam Clayton is fantastic. I'm just saying this guy was nominated, and I did get this online, so I don't know about the sources. Um, but um, Derek Forbes was nominated for um, for best for best bassist in the world, I think, when in 1982. Now, now did, did he lose to Adam? No. Um, I mean, there wouldn't be that much to go on with Adam from 1982, would there? Really? And I think he would say that as well. Like, it's, it's this is not. Look, I've got a pink Adam sticker. I'm I'm fully on board with with Adam Clayton. Yeah, you're right? welcome. Yeah, which you bought me. Thank you very much. Um, but this, you know, I think the locking together of the bass and drums is on another level here. Like, go to 240. I like giving specifics. Go to 240 in this song and listen to when the rhythm section drops back in. How it's like shudder inducing that that little bit there. It's so perfectly timed. I thought we were heading for a second copyright infringement uh, segment then. No, no, no. No, okay. Just listen to it on your own. It's fi- it's very satisfying. And again, I'm, I don't want to like you know tell simple minds that the band is good and it's satisfying. But go to go to two minutes forty and just you know just enjoy a bit of music. You're not talking just to simple minds there. I assume you're talking to the listeners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. All I need is a miracle. All I need is, is you. What's that? That's the song I thought this song was. Uh, I don't even know what that song is. That's Mike and the Mechanics. Oh, I'm very happy to say I have very little I think it's awareness. called All I Need Is You. I don't think it's called All I Need Is A Miracle, but it might be. Um, but when I was looking down the track list, I thought, oh, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm uh, mistaken identity. That's how little I know about Simple Minds and Mike and the Mechanics. So were you not aware of this song before you started listening to this? I then? wasn't. No, I've oh, heard so it. This is this is one of the few, apart from um, Waterfront and um, Breakfast Club song that um, that I actually knew about at all. And uh, you know, I, I really liked it beforehand. Although it didn't pull me in enough for me to actually get to listen to the album, which, as I've said, is kind of embarrassing, really, because it's such a good song. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, well, let me just sum up the situation in which I listened to... Uh, let me just paint a mental picture of where I was listening to this yesterday when I was making notes of this song. Right, okay. So this is the situation. I went home to my mum and dad's house, okay? There is horse hair everywhere because my mum has a horse and... It, in the house? You'd think so, the amount of horse hair around, okay? <laughs> uh, there's also a dog. The dog smells, right? My grandma had given me <laughs> my mum... Did she smell as well? No, she wasn't there, okay. <laughs> right? How dare you talk about my grandma like that? Anyway... My grandma had given my mum some gone-off meat, right? Okay. <laughs> For the dog to eat. Right, so my mum cooks this... You can't do that. Just, right, just listen, just listen. She, The dog is fine. Right, okay. She cooks the meat, right? Because it's my mum, she cooks it in the microwave, okay? <laughs> the meat, basically, this gone-off meat chars in the microwave, right, okay? And it smells like hot death all around the kitchen, okay? I have to get the Febreze out because my mum then goes like just goes to take the the like the dog out, okay. So I'm Febrezing around the kitchen essentially, okay, and and then so I put a scented candle on to try and get rid of this horrible smell of like microwave gone off meat, which I'd thrown in the bin basically. So and somehow this song managed to cut through all the bad feeling and perk me up and make me feel very happy. I'm so, wor- I'm worried about 
the the image you've just painted. Um, the dog's fine. The dog didn't eat the meat. The dog went in the dog went in. Sorry, the, the meat went in the bin. The, the dog went for a walk. But the dog's well cared for, right? The dog's perfectly well cared for. Yeah, dogs have a, a much higher like a bulldog has a lot iron a lot higher constitution than a person. Well, okay. And, uh, just to make it absolutely clear, the meat <laughs> went in the bin. The right. person who was affected most was me, having to smell the the microwave smell of gone off meat. Yeah. And anyone who knows my family, and dead my grandma. Mom, what? And dead grandma. Grandma is fine. <laughs> as of 29th of 10th. It's such and go at this, this age, though, isn't it? Leave her alone. <laughs> anyway, right, so... Well, so speaking of miracles, um, this, 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 the, the tightness of this song, the chorus, I would describe as an absolute delight. It's such a great song to listen to. And the verses are really sort of dreamy and lush. And it's just such a it's such a weird song, but in a in a fantastic way. You know, it, it's 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 weird that this is the most catchy song because it's got yeah, it's odd the, sections and odd structures. I mean, it's the lead single released in April, which is way too early for an album that came out in September. Apparently, fans were waiting for a long time for the album to come out after they'd heard this. You know, but that's great if you're creating a a, a buzz. I would say this this is the first example of a a complete idea. A completely finished song on this album. Oh, you're gonna upset the, the simple minds. Well, you know, it's my reading. You know. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair so, enough. Um, but I could tell that this this was of a higher quality or finished to a, a yeah. better standard. I had to hear uh, "Summertime" live to actually, you know, get it get, to get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've heard the review, so you know my, my feelings. Um, I can see that this is a really good 80s track, but mm. yeah, because it's kind of reminiscent actually of ABC and Wan Chung and uh, similar contemporaries. And, mm. and yes, I am basing that solely on the Vice City soundtrack, particularly the 80s radio station. Was this on that one? Yes. Ah, okay. Th- this song wasn't, but those songs were. Ah. A- ABC and Wan Chung. Seagulls in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, really good playlist, that actually. But, um, but this, is a song, this is in that. In that canon of, you know, if you go online now or on Spotify and look up, you know, best of the 80s, just stick on some 80s songs, you know which obvious ones are going to turn up and you're going to be like... Oh, oh yeah. this this certainly wouldn't be out of place. It, no, it wouldn't be, but it would be welcome. Whereas, like, I had the Tiger before. You're like, oh, yeah, fine. Or Final Countdown. You're like, whatever. Okay, <laughs> fine. We've heard this a million times. It's the 80s. Like, it's, it, it's, it is very reminiscent. It instantly puts you into 1982. But it's really welcome. I've not got sick of this song yet, so that's 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 a big thing. Well, I was struggling to see where this song would place today, or where where it would be played today, because dance music's moved on a lot, and mm. I think outside of an eighties radio station, you're not re- or a Simple Minds gig, you're not gonna hear this song. No, but I think people would welcome it though. Perhaps I, I'm I'm wondering if it's for today too tame. Maybe, good tune though. Yeah, whatever though. I don't. I don't care about um, contemporary mores in music. Um, there's a bit at one minute fifty where, to my ears, they slow down that main riff very slightly, and that control of rhythm is so impressive all the way through this album. But, but they just take that main riff and slightly slow it down. It's I don't know. I love it. I love hearing that bit and sort of waiting for it to, to turn up. But yeah, I, might, I know I might, what you mean. Uh, Jim Kerr later said that this song was the first overt pop moment. I, I would. I can see that definitely. Mm. Um, 
although for better or for worse, because apparently this was a, not a poison chalice, but what they became was maybe a bit of a problem in terms of like you two going through that big 80s stadium kind of yeah feel and then realizing we've kind of lost our way here a little bit yeah um the jump from from theaters to arenas and then arenas to stadiums mm. i don't i don't think there's a guidebook of how to do that oh these poor rock stars <laughs> oh well um should set up a charity for them yeah um the only thing i would say that uh, that i've got left to say on this song is um the blips and kind of stuff in the background are very craft worky. There's little sort of spots of light throughout the song, which I really, really enjoy. Um, and I just, I just like the mixture of synthesizer and guitar on this on this whole album. It's it's exactly where I would like to be musically at the moment. I'm really enjoying that that sort of thing. I mean, listening to this, I knew you were gonna love this. Yeah, exactly. Like I, 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 because I know what you like. You sit next to a synthesizer there. I am, yeah. I'm amazed it's not still in the box from when you got it. From, no, I'm you, playing it. Your birthday two years ago? I, no, one year. I've been playing that quite a lot, actually. Oh, can you play it now? Not really, but... I no, mean, all right. But the thing is, no one no one who gets a synthesizer... Off, right, right, I'll rephrase that. A lot of people who get synthesizers, mm. it's because they can't play piano. I can't play piano at all. Can't play a synth, either. I can play a synth. You just put one finger down and let the synthesizer do the work for you. Giorgio Moroder's quaking in his boots. Is he... Is he alive still? Yes. Right, sorry. Um, he's still died. gigging. <laughs> he's in his 80s, but he's still turning up to all the EDM parties. and. Well, best everything. look, uh, Giorgio. Um, it's interesting, though, that we've not really talked about what this song means on any kind of level. Like, well, it's very hard to do. Yeah, the, and I don't think that... It's not just because... It's not just because, as we said, the vocals are slightly indistinct sometimes. But... It is it is very abstract, isn't it? Um, and yet somehow that's not really a problem because the the feeling comes through really really strongly, you know. So yeah. promise you a miracle. Yeah, it has a feeling to it. What is that feeling for you then? I don't I don't know. It's I don't, upbeat. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, bear in mind that the people uh, that were recording this podcast for have had nearly forty years with this album. Mm. I've had two months. Yeah. So, so like, I, they, they'll be able... They'll have, we should have listened to their podcast on this one, possibly. Well, maybe. Okay, should we um, should we move on to track number four? Big Sleep, uh, in at five minutes, one second. Well, I've got just five minutes, so that's a discrepancy. Um, enter Bass Trap. You think it sounds like Bass Trap? Yeah. Hmm... Certainly an influence on bass trap, I would say. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We need to make sure we get this the right way around. You two took influence from this rather than the other way around. Yes, this yes. predates Unforgettable Fire, and that is the album that we're predominantly comparing this album to. Yeah, actually, I've got, I've got here. I can, I can hear what kind of bass lines Adam would be going for. Yeah. But this is just, again, technically, it's so much more proficient in my opinion. I can imagine. Um, um, imagine I can imagine. <laughs> This like, song was a bit of a sketch. You sound like, well, like a bad impression of Murray from Flight of the Concords. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. go on. Um, so, uh, I, I, when I was listening to this, I thought it's it's a sketch. You know, that clearly uh, the bassist has gone into a studio and he's just putting, experimenting in that very Brian Eno style and mm. then a, a song has evolved around it. You think old Eno's crept in and pressed record? <laughs> like he did with um, Fourth of July? Better than impressing delete. 
That's true. Um, so um, this reminds me a lot of a lot of bands I like. People like Editors and White Lies. I'm going to throw in Spandau Ballet in there as well. well why not? Um, but also um, uh, artists like Sam Smith. Um, you know that very the way Jim Kerr sings. It's it, I think it's been very influential and very far reaching. Yes, yes. And there'll be a lot more possibly better examples. But one band that it really did remind me of uh, is the National. Oh, great! I which, love the National. Um, myself and Johnny have been arguing about the National for fifteen years, something like that. Probably. And I, I just can't get on board with them. Uh, you're you're allowed your opinions, wrong as they are. I I just I just there's something about it which I can't connect to me. But when I listen to this song, it's like oh that's like that and that's like that and then it's like this this uh, musical family tree. You know, so, so I saw the branches reaching out to the the, mm. the influenced new artists. I knew you were gonna hit your microphone then. Um, I can see you do your arms out sorry, for the leaves guys. of the trees. <laughs> so I kind of have this... Are you going to start listening to The National? Is this what you get... I feel like a door has been opened. Oh, very nice. Whether I walk through it is entirely up to me. But I feel like I I get The National a little bit more now. I get the the voice Mm. and the tone. And, I mean, Fake Empire is a great song. Oh, my God, that's an amazing song. Yeah, I've always really liked that song anyway. Um, that, That has shone through my disdain for the band. But... I feel like this this opened doors to some other people, and I, I yep. just saw you know. Well, if I like that, why don't I like that? Yeah, and there's no reason to because it it totally is very similar. Um, I think that's a, it's a good thing to highlight because I I I perked up and listened to the lyrics a lot more on this song in particular, or at least I listened to the vocal quality a lot a lot more. Um, still very ambiguous. So it could have been years, you know, it could have been years or only seconds ago. So time is kind of stretched and pulled pulled forward. And then, yeah, I think you feel that as well. Yeah, and and particularly when he's when he's singing, if um, if only you could see me, if only you could see me forever coming home in the big sleep, coming home. These are so many home. I, I keep seeing you know little bits of unforgettable fire here. It really <laughs> did rip off this album. <laughs> um, Should have called it the unforgettable album. Yeah, or. Um, New gold fire. Fire. Anyway, yeah. So um, there's a lot here to do with yearning, and that comes across in, in when he is singing that bit where he's saying, "If only you could see me." Um, that's a real bit where Jim Kerr's vocals are fantastic. And I've written down here. I mean, I've, I've, I've been quite effusive, apparently. Um, I need album. This is what I wrote down in my notes listening to this song. I need albums and songs like this to remind remind me of that love of abstraction and colours crashing about without a narrative or an obvious political message. So, yeah, I, I, I just yeah. think it's nice to be reminded every now and then that abstraction and big ideas and huge synthesizers and big vocals. They're great things to have, and I hate sneery music critics who who would have a go at bands like you two, like Simple Minds, and be like, "Oh, it's all just pomp and hot air." It's not. It's not fluff or meringue. It's it's solid, big statements. And every now and then, you do actually need a big we, we, song we and a big emotion. We discussed it last night. It's sincerity. Yeah, and people have this huge. It's, it's this problem with people being sincere, with people being out and out, just. Mm who they are. For some reason, we're very cynical towards people like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's that suspicion of 
big emotions like joy or yearning or whatever you you want to call it for different songs, you know. And I think it makes you confront yourself. I think that's what it is when you see someone being so sincere mm. and so honest that it makes you confront yourself and maybe confront uh, parts of yourself that you're uncomfortable with. Mm. And maybe that's the issue. Possibly. But this isn't review Freud, so... Uh... <laughs> Oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> we can do, we can just sit here and uh, talk about what's that the the good uh, the good and, uh, the good and the evil. You talking about the 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 id the ego and no, the super. No, no, there's a, a Freud book I've got, or is it a Nietzsche book I've got? It's a Nietzsche book I've got. Beyond good and evil. Beyond good and evil. That's the one. Well, okay. It's been a long time since I was at university. We're definitely not going to do review Nietzsche. Right, anyway, um, not that I have a problem with Nietzsche. Anyway, the right. Nietzsche boy. Woo. Right, that's a very in-depth reference. Right, let's drag ourselves back from these tangents um, because I imagine any fans of Simple Minds will be thinking, what the hell is going on? So, somebody up there likes you, Tyler. Well, you know, I'm a good guy. Good guy. Uh, our instrumental track that we've got on here. Yeah. Um, this makes sense in a record context. So, if you're listening to the first four songs, they've been they've been big songs not exhausting in a bad way but you know there's a lot going on in those songs well this is the last track on, on the, side on, a exactly yeah. so in a record context as in vinyl this makes loads of sense and i think you would be wanting that i think it's difficult if you are just listening in a very kind of casual way to really have a massive amount to recommend about this song um the bass is fantastic as it is in the rest of the album. But I don't have very much to say about this song, really. It's certainly not like Theme for Great Cities. No, I, I mean, I, which my is notes. It's a brilliant song. My notes are very similar. Uh, an abstract landscape of very vivid colours. I, I, I got the sense of, again, flashing lights and colour and possibility. There's there's mm. a, a hope that's generated through this song. Maybe maybe that's just my reading. Maybe somebody else would listen to this song and and, and wouldn't get that. Mm. Um, but it it sounded very soundtracky, um, it, and it also feels I felt personally like I was being transported, at least to side B. It, it there's mm. a lot of movement. I could I, the imagery I was getting was was of myself being moved. Uh, the, another reading I suppose could be an ascension. Mm. Um, so it's very, it's very one word that we've not used very much so far is cinematic, which is this album yeah, no, feels well, very yeah. cinematic, and, yeah, and this would definitely sum that up. A so, driving scene or a journey scene, yes, would, would be very apt. There's a lot of that on here, and and I think to to go back to Clayton comparisons, I actually prefer what Clayton does with a song like Bass Trap, which is. Or even Fourth of Ju- July, which I know you don't particularly like, because <laughs> because it's quite quiet and intimate, and it's really murky for Fourth of July. Whereas this is this is fine; it's all right. But this is very bright and vibrant. Yeah, I don't I don't think the album will be massively weakened by not having it. But I also do like it and think it's good. I really like it, but I was listening to it. And it gets to about two minutes thirty, and I'm like, God, this has been on for a it's five really, minutes long, really long time yeah, already. Yeah. And there's another two and a half minutes. I, I put on my notes. This is a very long time for an instrumental. And I think it does its job. About three minutes in. Yeah. 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 Certainly. Um, and uh, I want to. Can I have a bet with you now, Johnny? Go on. Um, can we have a w- little wager? I'll, I'll go up to a pound. Right. So, so, so a pound. You cheap get. 
well, you've engineered the situation, so... Yeah. I, well, I, well basically, I was in HMV yesterday, right? right okay. L- just looking through, um, found a new gold dream. £20. Wow. £20. On vinyl? Yes. Right. So I was going to bet you £20, right? I'm not doing that. You could win £20 as well. Why? You're adamant that you're always going to lose. That, that's the difference between Start you and Start gambling, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good advice for anyone. Uh, well, fine, I'll take a pound off you. I'll take a pound off you. So I am going to lose. Well, I, I, that's why I'm putting my wager down. Have you not turned your phone off? No. Right, go on, anyway, what's your... What's your Could what's be your... the queen. Mm. It isn't. No. Um, so I would like to bet to you the sum of one English pound sterling... Sure. ...that this song... Somebody up there likes you mm. is already in one of your study playlists. <laughs> um, that is amusing, and I can see where you're going with this, but you have in fact lost a pound. Okay, have I really? Yes, because okay. you, because that's funny because my study playlists, um, are basically ambient stuff that I, that's instrumental that I like to listen to, which ranges all the way from U2 to Daft Punk. Um, you could have twenty quid though. It would have something like that. You would. I wouldn't take twenty quid for that kind of a bet because I've not done anything. I've not done something. Um, this would be the sort of thing that, had I listened to it when I was a teenager, it would definitely have made the cut. It's a little bit too busy for me, though. I think to um, there's you know too many too many drums really, and very rarely does something with very loud drums sort of come into that. Um, but yeah, so no, it isn't. But it's it's exactly the sort of song that would be, and bass traps in it, for example. Oh, you got a pound? Oh, hang on, I'm looking for a pound. I mean, we could do this off air. It's not really necessary. We could, we could, you we could. Get your purse out right away. And do you have a pound? There you go. Wonderful. Well done. Nice. That was the sound of the pound going down. Um, not in a wider economic sense, although I imagine it will with Brexit soon. Anyway, um, new gold dream, Tyler. 81, 82, 83, and believe it or not, 84 as oh, well. It really annoys me, this. Why call the album that? Oh, when I was looking this up on Wikipedia and trying to click on reviews um, that have been done of this, it, my phone kept trying to... I'd click on the link and my phone saying, do you want to call this number? And it had 81, 82, 83, 84. <laughs> I was like, no, obviously not. That's not oh, even wanna, a number. We should call that number. Well, nothing will happen. But it might. All right. I'll, I'll Let's it, do it live on Earth. Right, I'll give it a go. Oh, not, I hope someone picks up. What if it's Jim Kerr? God, <laughs> he's been sat by a phone since the eighties waiting. Oh, hello there. I was wondering if one someone would call. Mm. Number for Billy Connolly then. <laughs> right. Will it unload? I have done. The number you have called is not recognised. What a shocker! Right. Right. Anyway, so yeah, no, it, it isn't, uh, in fact, a number. You know, if you dial 141666, you get through to the devil. Brilliant. Why, when did we become a weird prank show? Anyway, um, <laughs> right. This we're not, we're not moving away from this song because this went straight into my best of, uh, to my, my playlist, my best of 2019 playlist because it's such a good song and fills me with absolute joy and energy. Um, yeah, it's, re- it's, really, it's really good. Um I, this is one of the songs I actually managed to pick out some lyrics from. Um, 
Not that, not that it's a challenge, but where I felt like I had a sense of what the song was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's New Gold Dream, She is the One in Front of Me, The Siren and the Ecstasy, New Gold Dream, Crashing Beats and Fantasy, Setting Sun in Front of Me, New Gold Dream. Mm. Really... Very cinematic again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, feel like I, I understand what this song is about. She is your friend until the ocean breaks. Yeah. Bono. Burning Bridge and Ecstasy, Worldwide on the widest screen. And that bit worldwide on the widest screen that brought me back weirdly to the exact feeling i got you know when the um the screen widens out at the start of the joshua tree tour when it mm. you know at the at the very start and i was like oh this is amazing I, I 2017 yeah yeah I, I gotta love... be specific now there's three of them yeah that's true yeah and uh, i'm not going to it again <laughs> um which you are um so yeah cinematic massive huge and I'm going to have to limit how much I listen to this song because I'm going to wear it out, which is which is something I really don't want to do. I remember listening to this the other day. I was um, It was early in the morning and it was really, really intense, bright sunlight. And we live in Manchester, so this is something that I was valuing you know, at, at that particular time. And there were buses flying past because um, it was quite early on. Loads of buses flying past and they kept obscuring the sun. So I'd, I, every now I'd get the sunlight you know, kind of broken up and it would flash onto me. And with this song on your headphones, it's just what what could be better. It, it put me in a really good mood for the rest of the day. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a lot in this track as well. Uh, that thing you were just saying about the the, the screen, mm. um, it, it made me think of uh, how you know sometimes you can watch a, a film, and yep, I'm aware of that. You yeah, well, good. <laughs> End of my point. Uh, no, so when you watch a film and what the characters are going through. It can make you. It can make you feel. It can um, verify how you know how you feel about a certain situation. Yeah. It's like there's um, there's a reality to fiction that isn't actually the in reality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by Stranger that? Stranger than fiction kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it it really made me think about that. How you you know sometimes you can almost live your life trying to be, you know, the characters that you've seen mm. on on the screen. Yeah. But actually, real life is nothing like that. Yeah, it's much more boring. Yeah, it is. So there's a kind of, there is a kind of, <laughs> there's a truth to the sensation in this song, then, isn't there? Like when he's just, I, I was thinking, when, whenever I hear him throwing out the words, you know, the 81, 82, it's, there's so much confidence and pride and it's, it's in that, in that song, it's, it's really exciting to listen to. Uh, uh, well, those, those years, incidentally, are like when the career really, boomed yeah so you can see why um and also um this is something that you can tell instantly will translate well to a live version and a little bit of research on youtube will find uh bono joining um uh, kerr on stage doing a version of the song which is pretty good yeah and you can also listen to them doing a um an interview on a german tv station together where they keep talking about how um the fans are all fainting at the at the gigs uh, they're not really taking it that seriously, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, at the start of the song, it really reminds me of like '90s Manchester dance tracks. The very first couple of opening seconds could have been cut off. I would say start with the. <laughs> that, that's the, that's the very specific bit that I mean. Yeah. Uh, but it also reminds me of a track that I can't quite place, but I think if you go and watch Phoenix Nights, the first episode of Phoenix Nights as Brian Potter is coming up the hill, mm. that that song is on for, right. for Charlie FM, coming in your ears. Yeah, a very, uh, very specific reference there. Um, it feels like a carnival. 
If you're in America and you've never watched Phoenix Nights, by the way, I mean, I sound very much like a cliche. Yeah, northern very here. northern humour and yeah. pretty much if you're looking the, the for tone over from where me and Johnny grew up. Yeah, if you're looking for something that's a bit like The Office, a little bit in tone, but more northern than I would go to that, it's it's very amusing, I would say. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this, this again transported me to a, a kind of a carnival hmm. situation. Yep. Having said that, I've never I've though. never been to a carnival. You're not missing much. I went to a circus in Wigan once. Yeah, overpriced games and terrible rides. Mm. Um, this is exactly the kind of song, and this is pretty much the last thing I've got to say to this, is um, exactly the kind of song that people should be able to dance to in a, in a club and get hyped <laughs> up on. But you, this never would happen. If you go to an 80s night, You're not. this is not going to come on. And if you request it, you'll get short shrift, I think. You know... Um, so, I was thinking that thing you know, from the trip, short shrift, with was it with Trevor Eve or something? Was that what they called it? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, um, right. Anyway. Yeah. So, so people should be able to listen to this song and dance to it, and but it's never going to happen, is it? So, whatever. I'm just bitter. Track number seven, glittering prize. What do you feel about this one, Tyler? I feel it was the second single. <laughs> Okay, so you got released got... August sixteenth. So you got the deets right now. Okay, good. Yeah, um, this this instantly stuck with me. This is one of I've won two or three that I'd say instantly stuck with me, mm. um, and definite definite contender for my uh, sweetest thing this week. Okay. Um, however, my problem with this album is never more evident than in Glittering Prize. The vocals are just too low. Um, and it it annoys me because I think it's a really really good song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this this is a huge problem. I th- I think at it's, this point it's that they're indistinct, and I don't understand how they've managed to do that because he's they're not c- quiet. Maybe that is the problem that they are a bit quiet. But I don't know. Maybe there's not enough treble in in the vocals or something like that. I, I don't I, I don't I don't really know, you know, what the problem is. But the lyrics are actually you know really good. Um, once I get get over the the shine a light thing, because I don't know if that's um, a national thing, but did did your if you'd say something to your mum or, or something would go wrong and my mum would often say oh shine a light yeah, yeah. and uh, so I had to get I didn't, o- I didn't think about that when I listened to this but that is funny I had to get over that um, because obviously very different meaning mm, obviously yeah um, but yeah you know, I I really like I, I like the lyrics I like how sing alongy it is. Yeah, it's it's very catchy. It sounds like a, a good pop song. It sounds like a single. Mm. Um, so you say it came to sixteen in the UK chart. Yeah, it was. It did better in other in other countries actually. So it was um, in Sweden, uh, eleven. Norway, number eight. Actually, got to number four in New Zealand. Um, but it did. It. I mean, considering this was one of the breakaways. Oh God, the, I was just in the album art. It's awful again. What awful album art. It's very uh, of its time, isn't it? I don't know what time that belongs in. It kind of looks like a uh, a Tolkien cover. Well, that's not good if that's if that's the, the what they were going for. Um, my precious, my yeah. glittering prize. Oh, Gollum, <laughs> um, People are listening to this and they're going to have that in their ears, which is horrible. You mentioned New Zealand, you know. Right. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, number sixteen in the United Kingdom, um, and uh, it was used apparently. As the as the name for a compilation album, uh, Glittering Prize, eighty one, ninety two. Um, it's strange to hear a 
the a song where the bass takes such a leading role, really. Um, but as we've said, this is what's happened throughout the, album, the album, really. We've got the bass almost being treated like a, a lead instrument rather than just something that exists in the background. So that's that's it's another. It's another stonker, really, for um, Derek Forbes. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a really, really good, good tune, and and one again that I, I keep coming back to. Um, it's I think it's a little less interesting when we like a song. Can be, <laughs> so, yeah. so sometimes we, we we it's better when we're, we're critical or we disagree, but yeah. we both like this. Well, I mean, all, all I've really got to say about this, it, it's not one that I think I'll. Even though it's a single, it's not one I'm going to be come back to as much as. Um, you can like the feel, opening track. You can feel the drive that it's got in it, you know. And, and yeah. if you were hearing that live, it would be just yeah epic. And you, you can hear that when you listen to the studio album. It's very positive as well. Like it, it's got a sunniness to it, which I think towards the end of this album, the next two songs go a lot more dark, which I actually prefer. But it's got a very sort of a song as if someone's been captivated by love. Um, so the lyrics that I, I spotted were um, Catch me in a dream, captured all in heart. We were spending time, we were staring out. Could there ever be more than one called an act of love? Can you never, can you, you never stop? Hmm. I wonder why you use on there. Um, anyway, these were the lyrics that got that kind of, that sense of love and sunniness and happiness to it. And I think it's more about the beat than the lyrics though. It's difficult for me because I yeah. look I look for the lyrics and I look for the singer to mm. see what they're doing and and what his his singing is actually very good. Yeah. Um, I I do wonder how how important Jim Kerr feels the lyrics are. No, obviously they're his brushstrokes on this canvas. Yeah, this, and this. they're they're not, they're necessarily quite they're not specific and really detailed. They're, they're yeah exciting and abstract and. Mm. I think that I mean I'm sure Simple Minds fans would say that the lyrics are super important. Like if someone said the same about say Promenade, off, you know the Unforgettable Fire, I would. I'm aware. I wouldn't. No, I'm just just in case anyone is a Simple Minds fan who's who's not um, here via our uh, original YouTube podcast. I would say you can't change one line of that whatsoever. No. And I imagine a Simple Minds fan would probably say the same thing about this. So maybe it's just our inexperience with. Simple Minds and this album. Sometimes you have to go through a period in your life where the, the songs, you know, find the their own their own place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you attach particular meanings to to different songs. I'm um, just looking at the length of this album. It's it's 44 minutes long. It's it's not a short album, um, but I feel like this no. has travelled very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got it goes by almost without you noticing. With the exception of track number five, um, yeah. Which, as we said, could be a little bit shorter. Um, all right, well, should we move on to Hunter and the Hunted? That sounds like an Iron Maiden uh, album. Hunter and the Hunted. Have they have they had that as a song before? No. I, 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 that you could definitely have that as an Iron Maiden album. Any old cliched rubbish. Anyway, <laughs> let's carry on. Yeah, they released a, a PC game in 1998 called Ed, Ed Hunter. Ed yeah, Hunter. Yeah. 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 I. I was so fascinated by that that I watched a YouTube um, clip of it, and it looks god awful. That game. I think I still have. It. I either still have it or I sold it on eBay for a very tidy sum. I can't remember though. That's like when Queen released a video game. Queen released a video game. I think it's called Queen the Eye or something like that. What year are we talking? I, whenever that, whenever the album came out that has no, all but the... like if you say eighties, the difference I... between eighties and nineties, it's a very different video you, game. You fill and I'll I'll look it up. 
Ba, 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 ba. No, no, talk about oh, music. Oh, talk. Talk about music. Music. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll talk about uh, The Hunter and the Hunted, shall I? While Johnny looks for Queen the Eye. Oh, have you got it now? I've got it. All right, so, 1998. Same same year. Was there just a, some company going around looking for big rock bands to release video games? Yeah, and um, it, lo- it looks like... Um... <laughs> It looks like they. It sort of goes through all of um, Queen's like movements and stuff like that. Many of the elements of the story were adapted into the Queen musical "We Will Rock You." Um, so I, I can't imagine it was very good. Oh wait, so here we go. The game suffered poor sales due to weak gameplay, very little promotion, and graphics that already seemed dated. <laughs> Classic Queen. Um, yeah. Something like Brian May to cash in. On uh, anything? Oh, don't don't rile the Queen fans. We'll have a we'll have an army after us. Look, I love Freddie Mercury. I I think he's you know he's probably on my uh, Mount Rushmore of 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 rock stars, right? I, I, I like the Rolling Stones. I respect Queen far more than I enjoy them. Brian May, frankly, can sod off at this point. Wow, and that man's got a PhD. Um, right. So anyway, Hunter and the Hunter. A pretty huge. Hmm. A pretty huge. Right. Okay. So um. <laughs> dissertation right so uh hunter and the hunted um this to me is very sinister and neon and it puts me in mind of a film like drive or blade runner and i was really enjoying this and then i looked at my phone and, it, and i looked back at the cover art and it took me really really took me out <laughs> if they redid the cover art then for some a song like this I, I would love neon and you know kind of like like sort of like japan that kind of thing which is oddly kind of works here because of kyoto in the in the snow but heaven's far away that's like, that's the exact quote i've got as well um it's I, very evocative I, isn't it yeah I, I love that you know this uh, this mysterious you know place maybe a, maybe a cyber assassin um, but when I I agree, the hunter and the hunted. I I think of those um, the the Anton Corbin images of you two walking through the snow. I believe in Norway. You know, for the War album. Poland. Poland. I think so. Somewhere <laughs> in the world. Somewhere cold and European. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that's more of what I associated. I didn't look. I I, I well, if I never saw the album cover uh, again. Um, I, I don't think it would be a huge loss to me. Well, again, we, we, it's not something that we know a lot about. And um, I've put Herbie Hancock up here because I just wanted to check. Um, he actually features on the end of this song. Okay. So, so there's a bit towards the end where there's very, very distinctive... Um, it's either I thought it was, it was either vocoder mixed with guitar or some sort of synthesizer. It's very odd. But apparently, um, apparently it's a synthesizer solo um, on the end, which is done by Herbie, Ca- Herbie Hancock, which is... It does stick out, but not in a bad way. It's very distinctive. Um, I, I don't know very much about about jazz or anything like that, but it's very distinctive, and I I really enjoyed that that contribution to the album. And it's rare you just have someone pop up on an album and add something that's totally unique, but also doesn't throw off the album. You know, I mean, no, I suppose BB King actually is a good example. He he turns up on on Rattling Hum and doesn't doesn't throw that off, but he does take it in a particular direction, which is not my favorite era of U two, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. It's sinister. It's um, it's again cinematic. It's something that when I listen to this album, I'm put in mind of of really strong visual elements rather than particular lyrics. But um, but yeah, this was great. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It it um, it kind of reminded me of Eye of the Tiger, which again was number one when this song when this album came out. Mm. Uh, it, it, because of the drum and bass beat, very similar. Yeah. And I'm also aware of the 
um, similarity with uh, Selvant Fire when I'm looking for. Yeah. Where the edge felt felt that it sounded too much like Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, it's funny. Once you've heard that comparison, you don't you don't. It doesn't go away. No, it doesn't no. go away at all. Um, the, again, incredible imagery in the song, uh, and I'm not entirely what Kerr is trying to say, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, this whole review seems like we've been going. I don't know what he's on about, but it sounds pretty good. I, I don't know who they are. I don't know what the song's about. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, it definitely sounds like music. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, There's a little clip for the start of the episode. Yeah. Um, so King is white. Well, we don't we don't do that on 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 these on Tumble episodes because uh, I just do a clip. Uh, I, yeah, I just want to finish off this. This I find this um, little section uh, which you started really interesting and something that my mind keeps going back to uh coyote in the snow heavens far away sending their love passion parade hunter and the hunted with me first times never can never lie only with you life moves so fast mm. and uh i get that you know the heady whirlwind um first um you know early stages of a relationship mm. and maybe there's a a hint of predatoriness to that hunter and the hunted that doesn't sound yeah. particularly um evenly balanced but it, it fits the kind of the, the mood of the song completely yeah i mean i, I never thought he was going to kill her uh that would be a turn up <laughs> for the books. a passionate kind of a passionate kind of hunt hopefully yeah um so yeah king is white and in the crowd yeah this is um this is this is kind of an er sound that that Kerr makes at the start of this. You can tell he's really got into the the vocals on this in terms of he inhabits them. But there's a bit where he sort of goes in the in the first couple of seconds, which in in isolation is kind of a bit weird. Um, you've got a very nice repeated um, groove to this song, which is a bit craftworky, and then it just keeps building up and building up this song. Yeah, this is a song that again I'm gonna have to go back to a lot because. Um, I find myself getting distracted by little bits of imagery. So then I, it's like, a, you know, I, uh, I, I I can't see the forest because I'm focusing too hard on one tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll focus on the next tree. And yep. so I, I don't have a, a full idea of the whole thing, mm. but it's interesting. And I don't, I didn't ever want to turn it off. Um, by the time you get to the end, the drums are absolutely like, thunderous and muscular and yeah. very 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 strong here i would describe this as an epic yeah and the the thing is this is actually based on it well it's not based on but it was in some way inspired by a specific event so apparently according to this was to do with the they watched the assassination of the egyptian president anwar sadat on tv and maybe that's got something to do with 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 the song being so violent in its imagery uh, yeah. Weirdly reminded me of editors as well, actually. Yeah, um, which yeah, makes sense because they've have they got the latest album called Violence. Um, they've I think yeah they've done a, a few since then. The, well. the the best of is out at the minute. Oh, fair black enough. black gold. Is that what it's called? Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I feel like this every time I I listen to the King is White and in the crowd, there's something else that is like oh I didn't I didn't hear that. Mm. It's something that surprises me every time, and I'm still discovering new stuff about it I, pro- I and I, I, I for some reason when I was writing that I, I 
felt like I was complaining about it, but I'm not complaining about it at all. It's not a problem, a bad problem to have with a song. No, you want to go back to it and hear more things. Yeah, a song that you're enjoying listening to anyway, but you're getting something new each time. Yeah. And I do wonder, um, it, for the big Simple Minds fans that that listen, like, is that something with this song that you find? Or was there a point where you think, no, I know what that song is now? Mm. or Or is it still all this time later something that you can keep going back to and finding new aspects of it it's get in touch on twitter yeah i mean i mean it's something that is very dark and i've I've described a sort of like starry sort of synthesizer sound all the way through it and i think this must be one of those ones a bit like how i love the end of acton baby how dark it goes and how intriguing it gets it's a bit like that although i will say i kind of wanted a I don't know if it's the best album closer. I sort of wanted like a quiet, more reflective song. Maybe a not a ballad, but you know, something to cap it off the album and give it maybe a bit more completion. But I don't know. Maybe I'm expecting something different from this album. I, I don't necessarily. I narrowly feel like that. Um, Do you think this is a good closer though? Uh, well, we've not really talked about like it doesn't reflect back on the album like like the way that that's um some um someone somewhere in summertime kind of. You see, The Big Sleep, forward. I had a problem with The Big Sleep being track four, yeah. because I wanted something a bit more, a bit had a bit more upward energy. It's got, that song has definitely got mm. energy, but I wanted some something with a bit more uh, upward energy, more single based. But maybe I'm just in this U2 rut of like, you put your singles right at the start of the album. Yeah. Maybe um, I've been taught the wrong way, because they, that maybe they're the only band that do that. I'm not sure. Probably not, but they do it a lot. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a problem with this. The, the only time I, I noticed that I, I wouldn't have put that there was uh, Big Sleep. That's the only time I noticed okay. any, anything wrong with the track list. Well, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I wouldn't take anything off here, but I wouldn't miss the instrumental hugely. And I would just... I would just like no, something... I liked the instrumental. I, I liked it too. I, I, I just... I wouldn't miss it. That's all I'm saying. Um... But yeah, it's it's a good way to finish off an album, an album that's had these these kind of huge cinematic qualities to it and big abstract colours. Um, now, just as a bit, it's more of a piece of art than an album, really. This. Well, albums are pieces of art. Well, I mean, yeah. visual art. Well, audible art. I think it would be a really nice thing to do, and you couldn't do this with a lot of albums. To give this to ten artists and get them to come up with a visual. Either a video or a, you know just a painting or whatever something visual based on this album. You could do that with this, just as you could do that with with the Unforgettable Fire. Whereas other albums that I do like that we've even reviewed on here, like for example Kick, you couldn't really do that with Kick. It wouldn't no, it wouldn't work. Even though Kick's a fantastic album, you know. Um, so on that note, actually, that, that kind of feeds in quite nicely. Um, there's a really good. There's a really good article um called uh, simple minds and making of new gold dream by um someone called nick hasted which i would advise having a look up if you haven't already listened to and um and he talks a lot about what was going on at the time that they made this album and i didn't want to get too deep into this because I'm, I'm worried about getting things wrong i'd rather not say something than get stuff wrong about a band i don't know particularly well um but here we've got um, we've got Kerr talking about the fact that he was really they were really into film at that particular time, particularly um, the movies of uh, Werner Herzog, and um, there was a film that they were watching 
called uh, Fitz um, Fitz Carraldo. I'm probably not saying that correctly. Um, anyway, in the film, the uh, the actor Klaus Kaczynski, um, his anti-hero declares, "It's only dreamers who ever move mountains," and apparently that line brought Kerr right out up out of his seat. He stood up at it, and he, apparently Kerr said he loved the romance of that. I love the madness in it. And that's not a line, a kick in the arse away from everything is possible, which is obviously on this album. And it feels like this is a Dreamers album, but it's in a really positive way. It arrived at a time, apparently, in the 80s where Thatcherism was just getting going. There were dokus stretching all the down the road. It's a bit like how October has also got that real kind of freshness to it, which cuts through that dokus surliness, I think, is what is what is that what you said on that? episode ages ago uh, that's a quote from someone from someone else anyway what, yeah, yeah. but but it really does it really does come through and apparently the band were in 140 grand's worth of debt um or at least the record label was um, on their behalf or whatever and this is you know new gold dream it, it's all those words are so fresh and exciting and interesting and it's a burst of energy isn't it this album it's yeah it's somewhat surprising how well contained it is considering there were lineup changes throughout recording there's obviously a very clear vision here of what this album should be yeah and i think it's a very personal album i think um maybe some of the songs aren't necessarily written for a, a live audience although can be translated to that i think it is the kind of album for you to listen to and get to know on your own mm. well, could be I'll... completely wrong but that that's how i feel it i feel about it yeah and similar to unforgettable fire i will enjoy letting this album kind of percolate and acquire depth which is nice which i'm not trying to kick in it kick in excess uh-huh. i'm not trying to have a go at in excess but with an album like kick you don't really have the opportunity to to indulge in it in that sort of way you get a different yeah. thing from it you know so Unforgettable Fire yeah. is your favourite U2 album? No, it would be with lineups no. with, with, with changes. Um, yes, with changes, yes. okay. Action Baby's my favourite U2 album. As an album, uh-huh. is New Gold Dream better than Unforgettable Fire? Um, At Just as a start to finish album. It's more consistent, but I don't like it as much. But that's, that's not surprising, is it? Because U2 are my favourite band. I, I think as an album, this is better. I think a lot of people who, like, look, if I was a Simple Minds and U2 fan and I sort of thought about them equally, I'd probably say New New Gold Dream is better. Yeah. Look, I mean, and that's... I think I think U2 fans, um, and U2, actually, U2 fans of Unforgettable Fire uh, really owe Simple Minds oh, yeah. a lot. Like, that album doesn't exist without this. As I said before, embarrassed to not know this album, but very delighted to have it here now yeah but you say you say that but there's, there'll be an album that was as influential to this one and we don't know what that was oh yeah so yeah. you can go you can't know everything no exactly i mean it, it's 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 all pass it on isn't it really you know yeah. like take influence do something a little bit similar a little bit different stir up the pot and see what you get you know it, it's nice um so on that note if we're talking about rankings and things should we do our um, bestie, worstie, you know, uh, sweetest thing and dirty day? Yeah. So, okay. what's your dirty day for this one? Uh, dirty day would probably be uh, the big sleep. I think it's just called Big Sleep. The Big Sleep is a is a book by Raymond Chandler. 
Um, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, um, mine would be um, somebody up there likes you. I don't dislike it, but I would not miss it. And what about your uh, your sweetest thing, the best track on the album? My sweetest thing uh, is... Are you deciding this right now? I am, yeah, because there's, <laughs> there's a few. Very but, obvious. Um, I think it's... It's got to be someone, uh, somewhere, sometime. That one. <laughs> summertime. In summertime. Yeah. It definitely takes place in summer. <laughs> no, that that so one. one thing we can be sure about. Definitely that one for me because the live version I heard. Oh, it's very just, good. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it's just it's a song that I keep singing and it's it's just in my head constantly mm. at the minute. That I mean that may change change. With all these Tummel albums that we've been doing, I keep coming back to them in, in different ways, some more uh, more than the others. I was going to say, have you revisited the Ramones recently? Um, I've listened to our review of it, yeah, which not many other people have. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've listened to it. Recently, I've listened to our review of that. Hmm. Uh, I'm so passionate about that album and, and people haven't bothered listening <laughs> to it. Yeah, Iron Maiden is almost doing better than the Ramones. Ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah so uh, my, my Considering favorite... our fans are U2 fans. Yeah. So well, Maybe we've misjudged them. Um, <laughs> anyway, my, my favourite, while you're asking, is uh, is the title track, New Gold Dream. Um, I'll be listening to that a lot and trying to limit myself so I don't, uh, I don't wear it out. Um, but there we go. That's the end of the review. Um, quite a long one, actually. We try and keep these under an hour. We failed at that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Anything else to say, Tyler? Um, no. Uh, we're going to try. Uh, we're not going to stick to a strict week by week release thing. Yep. This no time. idea when this will come out. The next episode uh, is Johnny's pick, mm. and we discussed it last night. Yes, I don't want to confirm it though. I think we should because it's not changing that one. Well, go on then. What is it? It's the Jezebels. And the, the brink. brink, yes, the brink, yeah. Um, that might be that might be an interesting one for people because I I'm I'm very very certain that more people will have in the U2 camp will have heard of Simple Minds. What I would say is um, treat it as a nice opportunity to try something new, and um, we're we're pretty bereft of female artists on this tumble list so far, and so it's nice to also um, you know to cover a band that has you know two members who are women and is fronted by a woman. So that's, that's good. So. After that, it will be my choice, and then we're happy to throw it back out to you. So we'll put a poll up on Twitter, and you can decide what would be the fourth. Yeah, although it is advisory rather than like binding. Well, I'm happy. I mean, they they, they recommended this to us. Oh, yeah. No, and... I'm going with the suggestions. I think they're all great. It's just I've just got an idea that something bad will come up, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend a whole... <laughs> oh, yeah, fine. I'm happy to slag off we've, an album. We've not, honest. we've not done a bad album yet. No, no, we haven't. No. So, um, and yeah, so won't be a strict week by week release, but there will be six episodes for season two. This being the first. So, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll be back relatively soon. And other than that, we'll see you later. See you soon. Get in touch details at the end of the app. Bye bye. Bye. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. 
If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review two to you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review two or search for the review two podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review two contact at gmail.com. Please like comment and subscribe. Thank you.